Hello, everyone. I am Jet Tattersall, and a big welcome to the Women in Pop podcast. It is so lovely to be back with you. But listen, before I introduce today's wonderful guest, in case you missed it, issue 14 of Women in Pop magazine is out now with the absolutely divine Miley Cyrus on the cover. With the release of her album, Edland Summer Vacation, and her monster hit flower, she has absolutely killed it across 2023. And across 10 pages, we explore her career and her insatiable appetite for music and life that has informed and transformed her music. We also have interviews with Freya Ridings, Peaches, Kate Sobrano, Peach PRC, Alison Goldfrapp, and we look back at the career of a group of the pop innovators, the Sugar Babes, and celebrate the 40th anniversary of Madonna's debut album, you can buy a copy now at womeninpop.com forward slash subscribe or in a news agency near you. Our guest today has been making waves in the music industry since she was at school. She won Triple J Unearthed High in 2016 with her indie pop anthem Drive and in 2021 embraced the delights of absolutely delicious pop music with her debut album Begin to Look Around, which hit the top 20 on the Australian album charts and earned her an ARIA Award nomination. She has just released her second album, Positive Spin, and is here to tell us all about it. It is, of course, the incredible Greta Ray. Greta, hello and welcome to Women in Pop. Hi, thanks for having me. What an intro. That what is so sick. <laughs> it's, well, what an album. My God. <laughs> Can we just say, it's like the whole album's called Positive Spin, mm-hmm. And we open with the track Positive Spin, Mm -hmm. which I feel completely sets up just the, I want to say like Prosecco bubbles. (laughs) I love that. Inside my chest when I listen to the whole (laughs) album. That's my feeling. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Can we say that Positive Spin was the real, I guess, the kernel of the whole album? Yeah, well, it was interesting in terms of how that track came about. It was a very intentional title track in terms of how I wrote it so basically I had been looking at all the songs that I had gathered for my second album and was trying to figure out what connects all of these songs like you know my previous record had been like a very obvious like coming of age breakup album I suppose this was a little less obvious to me the second album and there was lots of different things that had happened over the three years that I had been writing it and I had been tuning into something that my fan base had been talking about there being this consistent theme of hope in my music um, and in my lyrics and there always kind of being like a what if or a rebuttal or some sense of a silver lining in my discography. And I was like, that's interesting. I had not noticed that before, but that makes sense. And then I looked at the songs that I had so far and I found myself in conversation with my little sister, Holly, and she was gossiping to me about something and she said... Um, kind of under her breath, like, oh, not me, putting a positive spin on everything. And I really held on to that moment in our conversation and I was thinking, positive spin, that's such a cool phrase term. I am going to take it. And then I went to Nashville to start the final writing trip for the album. And I had a week with Alex Hope, who's an amazing writer-producer, and I went into our first day and I said, Alex, we're writing a title track. It's called Positive Spin, that's the name of the album, and it's basically going to sum up the entire album and what it's about conceptually in the opening track. It's going to be track one, that's what we're doing today. So that was kind of, yeah, how I wrote Positive Spin. And it was such a joy to write with Alex, and I felt very understood in that writing session. And yeah, I love that it sets up the album as the opening track. It's so good. And if anyone hasn't listened to it yet, I'm actually just going to play Positive Spin now. So here we go. Take 
I mean, seriously, won't stop till I've won, but I just keep moving the go- Oh, but I keep moving the goalposts. I just, <laughs> your, your lyrics are going to be found like scrawled into other people's diaries, love letters, tattoos, like shoes. People are writing your lyrics all over their converse, I promise you. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's so beautiful. And you have always got this, there is a positive spin but I feel like you look at everything not necessarily laterally. I feel like it's it's spherical mm. because you're in your music. You're always coming at things from all various angles, and by doing it, it brings such a beautiful, I guess, a kind humanity to it. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. Well, I'm glad that that is the interpretation of the record. It makes me very happy. It's beautiful, <laughs> and I mean, we've even got recent single "Don't Date the Teenager," mm-hmm. which. You know, sure, don't, unless you are one. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised no one's, like, we're still we're still having to remind people not to do that. Yeah. Can you talk to me a little bit about this track? Because, again, weirdly, it comes across fun and just like, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm really glad, um, first of all, that that is what you... Um, how you interpret that song as well because I really did have a very clear intention if I knew that if I was going to write that song and that topic that it was going to be done in that upbeat way I knew that I wasn't going to kind of go into like a really harrowing kind of you know sonic palette with that song it wasn't going to happen like I was very much um, myself kind of more detached from the scenario, but it was something that I really needed to say and needed to give myself permission to talk about in my songwriting. So there's this lightness to it and this almost kind of comedic element at moments and the kind of bluntness of the lyrics and the it's very direct honesty is like a new thing for me in my songs. I'm used to dressing up things in metaphors and being quite gentle. And I think that's just because I've been scared and not ready, maybe, to mm. kind of, yeah, be as, to cut to the chase, I guess, with topics like this, I suppose. But it was such a rewarding writing session, and it was only that. It was only upbeat and fun vibes. Like, it, we just had such a, a fun day in uh, the studio in L.A. I was writing it with um, Evan Clark and Haley Collier, who are very good friends of mine, and it was our first session together, and it was just, like, the best day in the studio. So, yeah. I think that's beautiful, and again, because you're looking at it, well, like you said, you're you're removed, you're partially removed from mm. it. Um, and so the, I guess the scab has become a scar. Sorry to get so visceral. Um, <laughs> and in doing so, you can look at it from very different angles. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that I would have been able to write this until, you know, I wrote this when I was 23, I'm 25 now. So it's well in the past, but I don't think that I would have been able to write it at 23 if it weren't for just time itself needing to kind of go by and you know, hindsight is a very powerful thing. And there's so much that aging and, and moving through womanhood teaches you. And you can look back on things and, and see them in a different way. And yeah, and I it kind of excites me that I allowed myself to, to write this version of that story just because, yeah, I, I wanted to do that for, I kind of give my 20-year-old self a voice. I have that lyric. Now I'm 20 and I'm not as fun. Like, you know, it it really says a lot of things that back then I I didn't. So, and I hope that, you know, there will be young girls that kind of listen to that song if they are in that feeling of, of, 
you know, feeling like a bit of a shell of themselves or something, that they hear a song like this and feel like they can be pulled out of the quicksand of that feeling and come have a dance. That's my main hope with a track like this. A hundred percent. And it it doesn't, I, I, you're so right. Come and have a dance and move on and mm. there's still time and you're still you and you're still young, but you've got a brain. Mm. <laughs> like... Totally. Get on the floor. That moment in the song where you talk about <laughs> he's just going, like you're going to a wedding with him and his friends and they're all just doing drugs and you're like, oh, I just want to have a dance. <laughs> it's so funny because it's so pure and so true. <laughs> <laughs> I think with that line, the you won't go out with my young friends to clubs, we go to weddings, everyone is on drugs, is meant to be so much about kind of saying, we're all teenagers anyway. Really? You know, it's kind of like, why is there this this sense of kind of, you know, oh, you can't kind of engage in my universe, but then your universe. There's so much similarities because we're all kids at the end of the day, you know, like, so. and I, I want that kind of messaging to have that lightness and silliness to it as well as addressing the, the seriousness of it, serious of it as well. Do you think that comes down to as well, you know, when you're, as you get older, and I'm, I'm not kidding, this keeps going, I'm now 43, mm -hmm. but you start to go, Am I, I don't feel like what I thought that was supposed to feel like. And so when you're a teenager, you're like, oh, mm. at one point I'm going to be, when I'm in my 20s, I'll be grown up. But then you're in your 20s, you're like, yeah. is, this, I don't, is this hit? Am I grown Oh my up? gosh, that's so true. And good to know that that keeps going. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, I start the song, Don't Day the teen Teenager, saying, you know, I was 18 and there is this real sense in that verse and kind of in general, like I really did feel like I kind of knew everything at 18 and I think a lot of 18 year olds do because like you've just finished high school, like there's so much that you've just learned and achieved and you're going out into the world and then you turn 19 and you're like, actually, <laughs> turns out I know nothing and I just remember that experience so well and um, yeah, it's not kind of like you... Yeah, you, you learn so much and you kind of feel like you take steps forward and then you're back. And yeah, the experience of aging is a really interesting one. And um, I think that, yeah, when I was 18, I probably would have thought that I was, you know, much more grown up than I actually was. And now looking back, I'm like, that is a baby. But, you know, I might think that about myself right now when I'm 30. So, yeah, it's going <laughs> to keep changing. It'll just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned just before about not possibly not being able to say these words years ago. And I think none of us really can, but you had an interesting position because you were already singing all your words. You weren't just a pop singer. You were singing your own words. Like mm. you came to our attention with a song that you wrote and you got tons of accolade. I still remember very early in the car one morning and hearing Drive and just going, oh my God, what is this? Oh my gosh, thank you. And I stopped and I always referred to you as the... <laughs> I thought that your voice sounded like the way that we imagine French people sound, but without doing an accent. And the fact that you have these runs, oh this melisma, and the pitter-patter. That's like the biggest compliment ever. <laughs> that is so nice. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. But that's that's <laughs> what you have. That's what you do. Like, your voice is incredible. Thank um, you. Both musically and the, and the way you construct words. But... Being such a wordsmith and a music maker, there still, I guess, was a lot of insecurity about putting yourself mm. on the radio. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, I think that that whole experience of kind of starting my that um, song drive launched my career and I was still in high school. And 
there was a lot of that that was so joyous and so wonderful and and dreamlike but yeah definitely overwhelming and it took you know a while of kind of years going by for me to look back on that and be like whoa that was a lot of pressure actually you know I think that I was so caught up in the excitement of it all and it was very exciting but it was kind of a lot to move through at that time yeah and it kind of it did I I was really aware of you know what I would do next and and it, it stumped my my writing a bit in a way, like not that I would change a thing about it, but I think that I was so mindful of like, oh, people are listening now and I've got to write a song that's better than that one and I've got to be more impressive and, and it has to be better and, and, you know, really tuning into those insecurities, as you said, like it, it did kind of, yeah, but I guess that probably was due to the fact that I was quite young as well. It was a lot, but I mean, it kind of feels really nice now to kind of be at this point where I'm four bodies of work in this is my second album and I've got two EPs that came before the first record and so yeah there's been a lot of writing I've I've never really stopped but um yeah it was definitely like a very exciting overwhelming start but I feel like only now I'm got a real sense of who I actually am as an artist and as a person <laughs> I'm just going to play that now in case anyone's forgotten how beautiful drive is here it is you can call me a fanatic I'm an addict to what I can't ever want some would say this is fiction but it is not I can get so high off the vivid picture that's occupying my mind do you want it do you want it do you want to drive say you want nobody's love and company but mine do you want it do you want it do you want to drive say you I mean, it's gorgeous. And you said that there was that pressure. And I remember even when Here and Now came and mm. it's such a beautiful EP. But I feel like the songs that you put out were so, I can almost, I could almost feel you like, okay, mm. this is the next song. Because you've been songwriting, what, since you were a child, I remember yeah, you saying. Yeah, I was seven when I started. To so sing. you've got a back catalogue. <laughs> No one wants to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I've never, I can't really remember not doing it. It's so gorgeous. And you've no. I mean, I remember when I first heard Passions and you really just, it was like you had a high heel on and you just stomped. Oh, I love that. Into that pop, <laughs> like that beautiful pop making, which you would do. I really think you were doing it before as well, but this one was really like oh, owning yeah. it. Yeah. I remember actually that exact feeling when I shot the music video for Passion and I was in this really bold, bright pink sparkly pantsuit and I knew that I was going to do a take where I was going to be kind of like dancing around the room and I'd never done that before and I'd wanted to since I was a kid and probably more so when I was a kid when I was younger and first dreaming about being in the music industry and being an artist and they kind of went, all right, action and I just like... It was just this relief almost getting to do that for the first time. And I remember locking eyes with the videographer and he kind of had this like look in his eyes of like, oh, okay, like, let's go. (laughs) And it was so fun. It was such a fun day and a really beautiful, fun video. Yeah. And a real sense of kind of like, okay, here we are. You know, I'm arriving at this place that I feel like I've been wanting to be at for my whole career and probably since even before that and it's taken all this time but like I'm really ready now. Do you think part of that comes to do with the fact that 
it's just really bloody hard to make a pop song without a team. Like when you're, you can, <laughs> you can put out a beautiful song and you can upload it onto SoundCloud and you can do your, um, your folky sound, your singer songwriting, but to actually go, let's make a slick as hell pop song, unless mm. you've got like, uh, you know what I mean? A network behind you. It's, like it's not easy to. It's definitely yourself. a task. Yeah, I think it's probably more accessible now than it was. Yeah, I feel like also pop music is kind of coming back in a big way, and especially within like the Australian scene as well. I do feel like over the years there has been a bit of a sense of like a taboo around pop music or something, and you know I think that probably partly why I kind of started in the way that I did and I'm so that was so right for me to start in that genre and leaning on the influences of singer-songwriters that I was kind of raised listening to but I definitely had this concern about needing to be taken very seriously and I think that there is this sense in pop music where you feel like maybe you're not going to be because you like to wear sparkly outfits on stage and you know tell everyone hey this is a loud big song that I made it's bold and I'm really proud of it I think that you can worry about how people might interpret that confidence and think that you think you're too big for your boots or something and I remember actually really recognizing that in a big way when I put out the drive music video because I think that when I kind of released that song there was this really beautiful response from everyone and the thing, the piece, the visual that went alongside that song was a video of me winning Unearthed High going, who, me, what, no way. And then there was this music video six months later where I was dancing and totally owning that space, maybe not quite to the point that I did in the Passion music video years later, but there was this sense of confidence. And that was where I first experienced people in, you know, YouTube comments that they're, they're never, you know, great. And people being like, that's not that good. You know, like obviously the support was still there, but I really felt like there was a discomfort in some viewers around the fact that I was really owning being proud of what I'd made. And I think that a lot of that pride is in making pop music. And that's probably why it kind of took me a while to get to the point that I'm at now, because I do feel like maybe also in the Australian scene, there's a sense of um, tall poppy syndrome. And oh, yeah. so that, yeah, that thing that is such a foreign concept to people outside of Australia, really, when I talk about it. But I think that, yeah, I was worried. I was worried of what people might think. And it, you know, it, it feels kind of nice to have let that go a bit just because I'm so in love with the process of making pop music now that I kind of feel like nothing can really touch me. That's so good. And you're so right. And I, I mean, I, it's one of those things that I feel like has really come on the last couple of years because of the way people consume music mm. and because of the way genres are like, what is that anymore? <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. That there is a place for everything. And mm. no one has like a secret playlist anymore like we used to. <laughs> you know, like the embarrassing totally. songs, you'd be like, shh. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. There's not that whole thing of guilty pleasures. I think we just love it. Yeah. Which is so rewarding. Like, especially how much we celebrate now. I feel like on TikTok, there's always a thing of like, oh, remember this like Disney star did this song and it was just so good. And everyone's like, yeah, <laughs> it really was. You know, there's no sense of like, oh, that's not cool. At least if there is, I feel like that has been far left behind and I don't, I don't see it as much anymore. But I, I think that there is a real 
uh, moment happening, especially kind of with like pop music fitting in so well with like the year that we're having in pop culture with the Barbie movie and um, the Eras tour and there's and Beyonce's tour and the Little Mermaid and I mean this kind of is less in pop culture but also like the Matildas in Australia and like all of the success around that like there's this it's a real time for the girls right now and it feels very very empowering and yeah it feels like it's a lot easier to celebrate all of that stuff which is such a relief and about time. So. It is about time here. This place, I swear. Yeah. I love it, but sometimes yes. shake my fist. I've got to say, when I first heard the glorious America Forever, mm. like, such a beautiful song, and what a collaboration. Oh, thank you. I'm so lucky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the thing that I loved about this song was I felt like, going back to your roots, I felt like you were looking at at those earlier songs you were putting out and even the sound, mm. but it was done with such warmth and it was done still with that pop edge. Be like, yeah, but this is still me too. Mm. That real optimistic grass is always green up, but I'll just stick around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I love that that's like the track that kind of ends the record as well. Yeah, it was really interesting that you kind of said that about, you know, what parts of me and my project that that song taps into because... I was working with Carol Addis on this song who I'd never met or written with before and we just wrote this song on acoustic guitar um, in her house and also partly in the car and I hadn't written like that in a long time. I'd been in the yeah pop writing sessions and you create a track and you top line to that and there's less of a sense of instrumentation like from my end I guess and I was coming back to the guitar for the first time in a while with Carol and you know there was this rawness about that session and it brought me back to so much of what of where my project came from it's like really crucial you know yeah that sense of intimacy with creating the song and yeah it was it it brought me back to a lot of myself I guess and I then kind of dove headfirst into Carol's discography after our session and really leaned on her writing as an influence when I was making the whole of Positive Spin after that session. So, yeah, we wrote that song kind of early on, I guess, in, you know, terms of the songs um, that we wrote for this album that are on the final track list. That's one that I wrote at the beginning of last year. So, yeah, but it was really, really special getting to work with her and learn from her and, yeah, kind of rediscover a sense of myself through her, I guess. It's gorgeous. And then, of course, we've also got um, young, I say young, because, again, started out as a teenager in a bedroom, <laughs> yeah, Maisie Peters on there as well. Um, with regards to the, well, the protagonist of the story, mm. which is America, from mm -hmm. the video, we've got LA, where they're in Santa Monica. Mm. I was curious, we just discussed about Australia making little room for pop and women in mm. pop until they have to leave. And then the world discovers them and then they go, oh, no, <laughs> oh, no, we, she's from here. <laughs> yeah. Um, a little bit so many artists and not just Kylie and not just Tina Arena, like Chloe, TK recently, like so many just have to go, you yeah. know what, I'm, I'm tired of trying go. to push this car up the hill. Yeah. Was your, I mean, you said you're in Nashville in a songwriting. Mm. Um, ha have you been thinking about that as well? Like I've, I've got to try another pond. Yeah, I mean, I'm very lucky. I feel like I've definitely dipped my toes in the ponds mm. over the years because I have such an attachment to cities like London and and LA 
and Nashville as well, I get a lot of my best ideas over there. And it's always good to work with new collaborators and kind of expand your skill set as a writer, I think. Um, so I have kind of spent some time in those places. And yeah, I definitely have thought about it, probably more so with London. There was more of an intention of me to kind of go over there. And then we had a global pandemic, so I came back. Um, but yeah, no, of course, because I do feel like, I mean, particularly at the moment, like the music industry does feel quite hard um, and something that really does make things a lot easier in terms of just kind of how I feel about everything is, I mean, one, I have a wonderful team um, and it's just been such a joy to put out this record alongside a team that I love so much and that works so hard. But also I have this beautiful dedicated audience that I feel now closer to than I ever have before that are here. And so getting to be in touch with them and kind of, yeah, have this whole album campaign with them being so involved and so keen to hear what happens next and what's the next installment of the story, like is really, really special. And so that's made things a lot easier for me in terms of like, yeah, putting out another release here. And I'm very, very grateful to them. So, yeah. You've got an incredible connection with your fans. And again, we thank the year that we're in. Yeah. We have social media <laughs> to be able yeah, to do it. Totally. I mean, Vienna, TikTok oh, explosion. Yeah, crazy. So <laughs> crazy. Yeah. But even the conversations you're having and even in the build up to this album, and it seems to really it seems to really not not affect in your process, but it seems to really, I guess, guide a little bit mm. or comfort you a little bit on the way you're making music, having that personal, that one on let's say one on one, one on millions mm. connection. <laughs> Being able to get that call and response. Mm. With the way you songwrite, is that would that be true? Like just having that conversation with the with audience? your fans, yeah, yeah. I definitely do feel like that sense of call and response happens when I start sharing my music, and there's this sense of immediacy of the fans to kind of adopt the songs and the lyrics into their lives and make those songs about them. And it's such a beautiful and inspiring and kind of relieving part of the process of putting out new music. It's like they're no longer really my stories like they belong to them now and I feel like putting out a song like Dear 17 I did that earlier this year to kind of start the positive spin campaign I kind of had always been like this song is so specific to me and so personal and it is but once I started sharing it with my audience online they were all talking about how relatable they found it and they were all posting all these cute videos of them at 17 years old in comparison to like how they look and how they are now and it was so sweet and they just kind of instigated that themselves. I didn't tell them to do that. They just like started making these beautiful little videos that were so nostalgic and yeah, they really resonated with the song. So, I mean, that kind of sense of call and response is totally surreal and amazing and definitely makes me feel a lot closer with them, so... And yeah. you must find that as well, even with the music and the songs that you love, mm. when you fall for it, for whatever reason, it's suddenly so specific to your life. Mm. Yeah, when I write the songs. Yeah, and even when you're probably listening to songs and going, oh, that's my song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, there's so many beautiful influences that I had for like this record where um, I was really tuning into their lyricism or... You know, I was so obsessed with the Muna sophomore album, Saves the World, at like the beginning of 2020. I played it constantly and it's really influenced the record in terms of like how we've shaped the production on a lot of the songs. And I feel like the title track is a real ode to their vibe, I guess. And 
I remember kind of being in this odd situationship at the time that I was obsessed with that, that album. And that album became all about that situationship in my head. <laughs> it's just like everything those songs were was everything I was going through. And so, yeah, I guess the fact that my music can, I, can also be that for others is crazy, very surreal and strange. Yeah, because you go, you really do get into the specifics. I actually, I want to play later single Upgraded Now. Just joy, you know what I mean? <laughs> Embrace, sink your teeth, come on, we're here. But I feel like it also works as this incredible, almost sentimental B-side to You've Already Won. Where oh, is cool. it that, like, you know what I mean? Pick your boots up. Yeah. <laughs> we're good. We're yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. That's so nice. I wrote those songs like days apart from each oh, other. Thicker. So that's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> They've got each other's noses. Um, but you do, I mean, lyrically, you're just toying with words and you can be so site specific. Like we talk about your time in Paris, you're talking about, you know, but while listening to it, we're going, yep. Yep, I'm there. I'm, I'm there. right there, yeah. Which is such a <laughs> such a testament to your songwriting. It's really you. beautiful. Um, you have the big pop show. Yeah. National tour coming up, <laughs> which is so exciting. Let's talk Thank more about you. pop and the colour yellow. What are we looking forward to with that? Oh, man. I'm looking forward to seeing the fans scream, sing the songs, <laughs> as they do. And, yeah, just being able to kind of watch them while I'm performing and see how they've adopted the new songs into their lives and, you know, being able to really get a sense through their reactions, like how much each song means to them, which is like so amazing that I can kind of know that that's going to happen. But just like with the conversations that we've been having online and how they feel about their songs and, you know, what ones are their favourites, what ones they claim. They go, I'm claiming this one. That's what they do on the internet when they get like a track list. I claim track 10. Like it's so funny. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing that in the flesh. That's like the thing I'm looking forward to the most. And then also just getting to perform some of these songs that I've dreamt about performing live for years, some of them. So um, yeah, I think it'll be really fun. Can I ask you one of your... What is one of your oldest songs that you love performing live? Whoa. I mean, I know this is like so boring to say, but I really do love performing Drive Live. I That's do. so boring. I, I love it because it, you know, it's so much about my relationship with live music, you know, because it kind of got me into live music, that song's release. And, you know, I've been doing this thing since I was 18 and when it gets to the brief instrumental in that song, I go, everybody go like this. And I put my hands up in the air and I wave them back and forth and everyone does it back and it's really wholesome and beautiful. And we still do that 
all these years later and I've done it in arenas and I've done it in smaller rooms. I've done it at festivals and every single time it's the cutest thing ever. And it's just before the section where everyone sings along. So, yeah, I mean, that's just so fun. And everyone, you know, I feel like there are these people that have these incredible stories with that song, even if it's as simple as like, oh, I listened to this when I was 15 and, you know, I kind of grew up with this song and, and I kind of, in a sense, have like grown up with that fan, that audience member. So like that is really insane. And yeah, I'm, I'm very, I feel really grateful that I still love singing that song live because I feel like after so many times there is this idea of like, maybe I'm going to get sick of it, but I never do because it brings back a lot of really good memories. That's such a beautiful thing to hear because... Obviously, as the fans, you're going there mm. to sing sing the songs that you love mm. back at the artists that gave them to you. Mm-hmm. And hopefully not be so loud that you drown out. Sometimes that gets annoying. Oh, but I think it's so funny. I have fans that, like, lose their voices because they, like, demon shriek, scream the lyrics. Hands on the wheel! <laughs> like, their life depends on it. And it's so funny because I always, like, put the mic out so everyone else can hear them do that because I think it's hilarious. So, yeah. I, but it's lovely because sometimes you hear these stories like, oh, yeah, we don't want to play that anymore. Oh, you know, I, I hate that. No. Ugh. Like, I think what annoys me about that, and, like, some of my favourite artists do that with their songs, and, like, I think, you know, I get it, but at the same time, like, surely you know that, like, there are people in that crowd that, like, fell in love to that song or got married to that song, and it's like, don't you think that it's more important to, like, honour those moments for them? And, I mean, everyone's different, and everyone can have a different take on it, but my take is that, like, you know... I think that it's so beautiful when you see, there was something I saw recently online. Oh yeah. It was a video this girl had posted. She was at a Taylor concert and um, the surprise song was a song called Stay, Stay, Stay. And it was this couple and she did a like before and after video of them when they were dating and they were singing that song in the car and then they were married and singing that song at her show because it's a song that's, you know, quite old in her discography and it's like... That's so amazing. Like, imagine taking that moment away from someone. I just, I couldn't. So You couldn't. Yeah. And also, <laughs> imagine knowing that's what your song did. Imagine that that song being that moment for someone. Oh, it's crazy. The story, the most insane one I heard the other day, and this is less, you know, relationship-based, but, like, there's this woman who came to my Wollongong um, in-store record signing, and she brought her son, who's five, and his name's William, and she said to me, I played him your song Time from my second EP when he was in the womb. And when he was born, the only thing that would calm him down is if we played Time. And I remember her telling me that story a few years ago at like my last headline show here. And then I got to meet him the other day and he's five, (laughs) you know, like, ah, that's crazy. (laughs) That's so insane. So beautiful. Yeah. And what a song as well. Thank you. I must say, live, you've got some songs to really get people jumping. And then I always think like Radio Silence almost has like a swill your pint glass. Oh, kind of like there's a real like singing it on a boat with some pirates quality to it. Not lyrically. (laughs) Yeah, it's devastating lyrically. (laughs) But you just get that da da da. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Arms around each other. That's so true, actually. (laughs) No, it's a great sing along song. It's really fun. It's a sing along. Yeah. Half cut sing along song. (laughs) Yeah. A depressing one, but you know. But again, you make it joyful. Well, there's, yeah. I mean, there is this sense of hope in, you know, 
I'm putting my money on time is the hook in that song. And it's so sad, but it's so like, maybe this will get better, I guess. <laughs> it's like every single song of mine is that, I think. <laughs> I think we're going to get better. Or we just say, I'm just going to stay in America because it's only been fine. <laughs> yeah, true. Exactly. <laughs> You've heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Greta, thank you honestly so much for joining us on the podcast today. It has been a real joy to chat with you. Thank you. Everybody, Greta's new album, Positive Spin, which you've just heard snippets of, is out now so you can download it and stream it on all platforms. You can also buy a coloured vinyl, which is very exciting. Is it is it yellow? Yes, yes. the yellow one. And JB Hi-Fi has like a pinky purpley see-through one. Oh, yeah. beautiful. They get those <laughs> um, on vinyl or a CD copy and some gorgeous merch on our website, GretaRay.com. Now, before we go, just a quick reminder, issue 14 of Women in Pop magazine with Miley Cyrus on the cover is out right now and features interviews with Peach PRC, Freya Ridings, Alison Goldfrapp, Peaches, Kate Sobrano and more. Buy your copy now at a news agency near you or at womenandpop.com forward slash subscribe. Thank you for listening today. Until next time, from Greta and myself, goodbye. Bye. Thanks for having me. Ha <laughs> ha